I'll tell you something I love about being in France, in addition to some seriously delicious butter, and that is the wide selection of wines I can find in France for low prices. It can be much more difficult to source those same bottles back in the States, and that's why I love to buy wines out of France with Ideal Wine. I have bottles shipped to me, hassle-free. It's easy. Ideal Wine has a new auction every week and is a great source for iconic names like Ouette, Louis Roeder, and Domaine Lefleve, as well as rising stars like Arnaud Lachaud, Gonon, and Tissot. Find the wines you'd rather be drinking at idealwine.com. That's I-D-E-A-L-W-I-N-E.com and have the wine shipped to you in the States. Use the promo code FIRST, F-I-R-S-T, for $15 off your first order of $150 or more. Hey, that's $15 you could save, and that is some good butter money. See for yourself at Ideal Wine. I'm Levy Dalton, and this is All Drink to That, where we get behind the scenes of the wine business. David Chappelle on the show. Hello, sir. How are you? Yeah, fine. And you? Welcome. Yeah. Welcome, Welcome to New York. Yeah, thank you. My first time, yeah. Uh, so you are the son of Alain Chappelle. Uh, yes. The Michelin the three, oldest. three-star yeah. chef from Lyon. Yeah. And uh, he died in, in 1990. But what are, what are your memories of your dad? Yeah, you know, when he died, I was nine. So only a few images, but always in the restaurant, uh, he sometimes cooked for uh, my brother and I, and a few tasting with winemakers. But I was, uh, at that time, only tasting, not drinking. <laughs> well, still, though, there's probably some, some good wines that you were yeah. getting exposed to at a young age. Yeah. Just for smelling, it was, uh, yeah, the, you know, at the beginning of uh, uh, my history with wine and food. And the, it's the way... Uh, you teach your kids something like that. Did he seem like a very intense man? I think, yeah. And but uh, I don't have a, a big memory, but he was, uh, you know, stressed in a way by his work and uh, thinking about the next step or the next dish or what he can find, like products or wine or people. So you are in a little town outside of Lyon. Yes, Mionet. And what was that like? I mean, who would come in the door? At that time, you know, three-star restaurants, you have local from Lyon and French people, and but also like three-star restaurants, foreigners from Europe, the States, Japan, all around the world. People came just for have a, a lunch or a dinner. And your dad was really associated with Nouvelle Cuisine. Uh, is that something that seems to make sense for you or what, what how would you sum up the style of your father's cooking yeah he, at that time like three or four guys like him were associated to the nouvelle cuisine uh, it's the, the main thing is like uh, at just like a few years before he, he started there was like much much more big dishes uh plates in the middle of the table and then a service like Russian service or and then my father and other people uh, cookers like him start to do it 
uh, only in a plate. So, and he start like uh, he said, uh, like not 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 more than three products in one plate. After it's too much, or and uh, and he, he was uh, known and what in a way make his is him successful was uh, uh, he, he was always trying to find the best product, the freshest product, uh, the the small uh, producer. It was the same with wine. And you, he had strong relationships with vintners in the area? With winemakers and also producers like uh, vegetables and uh, meat. He, he tried to have uh, a huge contact in near in Brittany, you know, with the fishermen, so he, he can uh, order the best fish they Be- can have. Because in Lyon, there's not a lot of fish. Like yeah, in only uh, non non salt uh, only non salt water, like in lakes, like uh, in France, uh, Lac Léman, very popular, uh, a nice fish, uh, Omble Chevalier, very nice. So it's the closest. And your dad had developed some strong ties with winemakers and vintners in the area, wine growers? Yes, of course. And who were, who were some of the people that uh, were on the list at that time? Uh, well, if, if we talk about Burgundy, like Henri Jaillet and Pierre Ramonet, he was very close to Pierre Ramonet. Uh, then uh, Hubert de Montille, Mar- Le Domaine also Marquis d'Angerville, Lafon, Roumier. All now it's big names. At that time, it was very good wines, names, but not as, uh, in a way, famous and expensive uh, than it is now. Because this would have been the 80s, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, uh, Ravno was very close. And uh, more close to to Mionnet, Marcel Lapierre in Beaujolais, and Pierre Auvernois also in Jura. And, you know, Jura wine, even now, it's... The name is famous, the wines are very good, but it's not uh, as famous as, as it could be or should be for me. And your dad would cook to those wines, make dishes for those wines? Well, yeah, he, he was uh, very interesting like that, you know, cooking a dish uh, in relation to the wine. And did you have like special dinners where people would come in and show their wines and, and he would make meals? Or did you do like wine dinners? Or Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, he, in, he started like a year before his death, just a private dinner with winemaker. It was just friends, you know, not for business or anything. And he set up a dinner like uh, even on Mondays, day off, just to have a... To, to, to show the winemakers what he was cooking and doing and just to enjoy a nice party. So winemakers bring wine and my father cooking, very nice, you know, big truffle dinner and small birds and nice, nice dinners and huge wine list. Are you saying at eight years old you were eating Ordelon? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, I, I was seven the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and my father cooked it and my grandmother at that time... Uh, uh, learn my brother and I how to eat it, you know, with a towel uh, under your head. Why do they do the towel over the head? Yeah, to, just to keep uh, the flavor only for you. you, you not uh, other people don't have to share it with you. Like it's you know it's selfish in a way. It's, that's the purpose. 
I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, here, so it's illegal. So I always thought, like, people wanted not to have their picture taken, uh, yeah. you know? I it's also illegal in France now. Oh, it is? Yeah. Uh, now, though. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're endangered now or something? Yeah, no, there is a lot of uh, birds who are, in a way, illegal in France. But it's, you can have it in Switzerland, in Belgium, or in uh, in Monaco. Oh, you can? Yeah. So it's like pot in Amsterdam. You can go. Yeah. Portland, <laughs> yeah same. See, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Oh. The things you learn yeah. on the podcast. Excellent. Yeah. So uh, it sounds like, though, your dad had more than just a professional relationship with these vintners, that they were also his friends. Yeah, yeah, much more. It's not, not for business or not in order to have more wine. Don't care. He had all the wine he wants. You know, like at that time, uh, with uh, quite everybody, and even Henri Jaillet, you know, at that time, a guy like Henri Jaillet was uh, making wine selling it but uh he, he sell the, those people like uh sell their wine to people uh, with interest in the wine but you know it's guy uh, it's a face to face deal in a way so they were just putting crosses on barrels so i mean it means that this barrel is for you this one Cause so it's, uh, it was embottled from this barrel to my father is that cuz its name was Chapel? Is that why it was a cross? Was that like a, no, 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 a church no. association? Yeah, no, 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 no meaning. But it's, uh, you know, during tasting on barrels, say, oh, I really like this one. So, okay, I put it for you. You select it before. Do you still have any of that wine, may I ask? Uh, in private uh, cellars, we still have some orange. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I know where I'm visiting next time. In, yeah. No, but... So, unfortunately, your dad did die uh, at a relatively young age in his yes. 50s. He had a, 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 a stroke or heart attack. Heart attack, uh, yeah. While he was opening a restaurant, I believe, in Florida. Oh, no. Uh, I, he was on holidays in south of France. Oh, okay. But I I, I, did, I, I know that he used to, to have a, a business relation with a, an hotel in San Francisco. But I, it was in, maybe in the early 80s. He stay over there like one or two years, I, I, not more, I think. He say at that time it was difficult to find uh, good staff, so he was uh, in, in, in a way scared of that in and, the states. Yeah, and so he, and because in a way you know he was not here uh, every day to to teach and to manage people, so it was uh, in a way I think I think um, because I don't really know the story, I think he was scared of uh, what may happen. Why he was not here, and he had some amazing staff work for him in France, like Michel Roux. Uh, oh yeah, a lot of chef now, a three-star chef uh, was part of his crew team. And people have talked about, like Heston Blumenthal's talked about being influenced yeah, by him. Alain Ducasse was also in Mionnet a lot. Yeah. And so, what what was the family situation subsequent to his death with the restaurant? I mean, where where did things stand from? 1990, 1991. And, uh, my mother took over then. And uh, at that time, uh, the second, uh, I don't know in English how you said it, second, uh, the sous chef in a way of my father, the chef, was Philippe Juice. So my mother, uh, at that time, he was in Japan, you know, taking care of the, the restaurant my brother opened over there. And my mother asked him if he want to come back to Mione and just take care uh, the the job he has she has Philippe if he wanted to come yes back. yeah and Philippe stay uh, like uh, till we close with my brother uh, 
two years ago. And you also spent some time in Japan, is that? Three years. Yeah. What was that like? I really enjoyed the country, the food, people. It was a very nice stay. I, I, I don't. I, I will come back. I will go back, uh, but for holidays or I don't know. Maybe one time to open a restaurant. I don't know. And where were you located? In Kobe. Oh, so that's Kansai good for area. someone from Lyon who likes beef, huh? Yeah, <laughs> beef and the 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 Kansai is very nice. Like you can go visiting Kyoto, and uh, it's in a way less uh, busy than Tokyo in terms of inhabitants and small countryside in a way. But there is like two million people in Kobe, so it's quite big. But uh, for Japan, it you you feel you're in like 10 minutes you're in the forest so it's very nice and they seem to be very receptive to the french cuisine they, yes at you know, like a century ago uh, kobe was very the port of kobe was very uh, important with the the tradings of uh, products from europe and worldwide products but in a way it stopped uh, in 95 with the big earthquake so the the business moved to Osaka. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, and did that affect the the restaurant that you had there, that your family had there? Yeah, no, the only you know uh, broken plates and but it's in a big hotel and uh, strongly built, so to to not to to break. Uh, so and nobody the, was injured. The that must have been in a time where it was probably easier to get staff working for you than it would have been in the States in the 80s because there's so many young Japanese cooks who are interested in French food. Yeah, I I think, and uh, my I, uh, my father was quite uh, happy with uh, with the Japanese staff uh, he found over there. They, they wanted to learn and uh, it's very Japanese also, you know, to, you listen, you listen, you do, and then do the same way. Sometimes they do it too much the same way, <laughs> but... Uh, and uh, at that time, my father sent uh, some of his guys to take care of the kitchen. So there was always one or two or three staff in service and in the kitchen. And what were you looking after when you were working there? To, you know, to, I was like 24, 25 to travel and uh, discover a country and to, just to, yeah, to enjoy a but Another you country. were also working in a restaurant? Yes, yes. We're, in we're, the service. In the in service, service, front yeah. of the house. Yeah. Like a waiter or captain? Yes. Uh, yeah, waiter. I was assisting the, the manager. So did that give you some more exposure to wine at that time, in terms of your own development with wine? Yeah, of course. Uh, the, and also, like, I have my image of wine and what you can drink uh, while eating and how much you can drink. But uh, it was funny to see, you know, a different culture, how people uh, drink and how much, the price. It's also like that, to country and how, was, how far you can go with Japanese people. What was the difference between the way that people approach wine in Kobe than they had in Lyon? Um, yeah, and it's, I think Japanese people are much more like uh, receptive to teaching you say, oh, you should drink that with food. In France now, too much people think they know everything. So, okay, they say, no, I want to drink that. Even if you think it's not a good match. But so you say, okay, drink that if you want that. Japanese people will more listen to you. 
to advise. They, a sommelier or a waiter is, in a way, or a maître d'hôtel or sommelier is, in a way, here not to just to, to take plates or to open bottles. It's here to advise and, and I think it's that. Was Burgundy very popular at the time? In yeah, much more. I think in the 80s, like in every country, Bordeaux were, were, was, like Champagne, very popular. But then when a country opens up, to to wine or wine industry in a way uh they go after to burgundy and like it's the same it it happened in the same way in the US or if now you go to asia like in hong kong or it was very popular with bordeaux but now to it's all about burgundy there is so much different first you have white and red which bordeaux there is not that much of white um white and reds and different climates and so much to learn and so much differences with only two kind of grapes there is so much so people who want to learn or want to discover it you always discover something in burgundy so after the three years in kobe uh what did you do next what happened for you after that I came back to the restaurant. Uh, at that time, my brother, in a way, finished his trip all around France in restaurants. He was in the kitchen with Philippe. So I say, okay, uh, shall we do something uh, like a renewal or, you know, to to add a, another family member in a way to the restaurant? Because uh, so the restaurant I, was still doing well. It had two stars, Michelin. Yeah, uh, two stars. Yeah, we lost it one uh a year after my father's death, and your your brother had gone into kitchens and different and done stages in different parts of France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He started to, to work in Brittany. Uh, a friend of my father who had a, a, a Michelin star restaurant in Pontaven, you know, very beautiful village. And also, the, this this chef was, uh, in a way, my father link with a fisherman's. I see. He worked here for like one year. Then he worked with uh, Rolinger. At that time, he had two stars. Then he go to Alsace at Hilhausen, Eberlin family, three stars. Then he, he worked in Mionnet for one year. He goes south to Jacques Maximin restaurant in Vence. Then he have a year break uh, in, in wine. Like he worked uh, at Marcel Lapierre Place in winter, only for um, shaping the, the vines. He went for two or three months in Chile. I have a friend, we have a friend who is a winemaker in Chile. Then he came back and spent the rest of the year working with uh, Thierry Allemand and Jean-Louis Chave. I've and, heard of them. Uh, <laughs> and then he come back to to... To, to the restaurant in Mionnet. Because in a way, that's not too far away from Corna or from Morgan. Like it's half No, no, yeah, yeah. Run. From our place, you go to, to Jean-Louis Chaves place or Thierry Allemand, like an hour and 30 minutes for Beaujolais. And so you went back and you said to your brother, what should we do with the restaurant? And how did that discussion go? We first... Uh, you know, he was in the kitchen, I was in service. So I, when I came back from Japan, it was April or May. So we, I just uh, entered the service staff in a way to 
till the end of the year, till December. And then in January, it's our month's holidays. So the restaurant closes. Yeah, okay. the restaurant closed for a month. Uh, we say, what shall we do with, you know, in a way, prices, the menu, bigger or smaller, or, you know, try to do something. Uh, that's why, and we wanted to to refresh uh, the menu, to, to give something different to people. After 20 years, uh, it was needed to, you know, to to reboost. Because your dad was associated with certain famous dishes that stayed on the menu past yeah, his we, death. Yeah, we keep uh, those uh, those dishes. Uh, but then, you know, he, he was always uh, creating some dishes. Some some works, some other do not work. But always giving, you know, uh, like uh, at that time, he, he do four uh, carts a year, like seasonal. But in one season, you can do a lot of dishes. And so. your dad had been open to kind of using more Asian ingredients, probably because of the relationship with Japan, a little bit earlier than some French, French he, chefs. He used some, at that time, in a way, ideas, a few products, but not that much. You know, he was not making, for me, uh, Japanese-style cuisine, or, but for uh, his trip, during his trip, like uh, he used like tempura just for a uh, appetizer or one dish the style of tempura which by the way is come from portugal mm, the japanese don't create it it's a portuguese guy uh, who who bring it to to japan so it's in a way a european so you always and you know country you have visited or for history by the history you you got the sailors or uh, merchants or there is always uh, spices or different kind of cooking so did you got a little bit more involved in wine and uh during your time back at the restaurant with your brother yes uh, i was in service and then also helping the sommelier and then the year after the sommelier who was also having, in a way, his small business in wine. You know, we have a discussion and he decided to, you know, to go and only take care of his, uh, of his business. So I say, okay, so I take the, the sommelier job, uh, so taking care of the seller and buyings and, and because, and also it, we like, it, it works like same in the US by allocations. So we have uh, we have a lot of allocations from the winemakers. So every year you you ship uh, you you get your allocation. So and then but you you find new winemakers or by tasting or by meeting by. Uh, and so your family had really strong connections with different Burgundian yeah, producers, different Burgundian Champagne, yeah. and at the same time you were traveling around to taste in the cellars with. Oh, the yeah, always in day off. Not, you know, and most of the time it was not really for, uh, you know, buying wine, but just to have fun tasting and eating with winemakers. It's, uh, we are close and in a way it's, it's, it's a good thing just for eating and drinking. Which is something your dad used to do. You told yeah, he used, he used to, to do to that, yeah. Go on his day off and mm. hang with Marcel. Yeah. Uh, Lapierre and. Yeah, just to have fun and casual way, yeah. Uh, not for business. So you do business, but you you have a, you eat and you drink, and then 
you come back with wine or you say, okay, I, I want that, 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 and you have it uh, delivered. Or... So uh, eventually, not too long ago, uh, the restaurant did close. Uh, you made the decision with your family to, to close the, uh, Alain Chapelle, the restaurant. Yeah. And what, how did that affect you? I mean, what were your feelings around that? Uh, for me, it's, in a way, I I don't have the feeling to to betray or something like that. Uh, you know, we have an history, uh, recipes, know-how, everything. My brother have it. He have the same, you know, feelings and as my father, I think. So, in a way, we just postpone the a new open or, a, but it was much more like uh, the the place was no more good for uh, for business and too much investment were needed and uh with my brother we had this discussion and say do you want to be here in 50 years and the first answer was no so it's just postponing and you know like uh to to reopen something or right now my brother is uh is chef for Pierre Gagnier in London he will stay over there like two or three years. It's good for him to improve his English. And it's a big building. So, there, you know, for management position, it's good also for him. He's 30 years old to learn. He knows how to cook, but it's also know how to to do business with people. So, and he, he, you keep it for you. But uh, I think he is going to be a three-star chef. He's very good. I think I believe in him, so... I mean, I think one of the things about Kenyar, at least the food I've eaten from him, is that he's very good at translating a personal vision onto the plate and making that yeah, that's successful. my bro. My brother think that he, he say you you give in a way he said you give him two or three or four products and he like in thirty second most of chefs or big chefs are like that in thirty second they build something they create a dish. Then they may, they will maybe readapt or change a few things, but in thirty seconds, like uh, it's an automatism, uh, he creates something, and he says he's very good at that. So it's good for him to to share this. Uh, so your brother went in that direction uh, with the kitchen in London, and then uh, what have you decided to do? What have you been up to since the restaurant? Uh, so me, I. Uh, as I say, I'm close to winemakers and I decided, you know, in a way to have a year break. So I went to Beaujolais, uh, Mathieu Lapierre, who is now running the, the domain, uh, is a friend. So just before we had a few drinks and dinners and he said, oh, if you want to come here. Uh, so I take a year break uh, working in the vines and in the cellar and, you know, to just to refresh my mind and be you know, dancing about uh, anything about restaurants or just to have fun and and discover, uh, you know, in a way, wine, but uh, how you do it, how you deal with it. And and you started in 2012 there in Morgan. Yes, yeah, in April last year. And that was a particularly rainy year, I believe. 2012, yeah, was uh, quite rainy and... Uh, you, you got to be very careful with uh, with the vines to to do something for with the millennium. It's and not an, the easiest millennium of the century. So maybe that was a kind of trial by fire for you, in a way, to start in a particular... It's very good for learning and to see uh, how people deal with the, the weather, with us. 
because wine, uh, like now every year, some winemakers or some critics say uh, it's the the millennium of the century. This is a no, no. You gotta you gotta see what happened in in the pitch in the field. Uh, uh, you the weather sometimes they like in Beaujolais, all nine, ten, and eleven were nice. You know, in quantity, very different. But winemakers had, had something. So then, 2012 reminds you that uh, it's also the earth who decide. After you, you gotta be careful and uh, do your best with what you had. Because I don't think it's the millezime of the century sometimes so much as the century of millezimes. Like each one is very different. Uh, yeah, a hundred different vintage. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like I know. It's say, it's a very. I, I like it. It's very light and and Beaujolais it's like that. It's not a a bodybuilding body builded man. It's very light. It's it's an in a way an aperitif for. A, you, you can have it for. <laughs> we are joking with Mathieu sometimes. It's also for breakfast if you want. You know, it's like. A, well, you can in France where they eat, where they eat meat for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. You know, here it's a little more difficult yeah, with yeah, the yeah. Wheaties, but uh. yeah, but it, you know, it, you know, it's an image. So you, it's for having an aperitif time with friends. It's good. This kind of white wine, uh, red wine. Sorry. So I mean, this is an estate that has a lot of associations with working naturally, uh, working in tune with nature. Uh, sort of the. Marcel, Matthew's father, was kind of one of the founding fathers of the what's known as the Gang of Four of Morgon, Foyard, Tevenet. Um So, how did they respond to 2012? What did you see uh, as you're, you know, working with them in the vines? What was the what was the techniques used? To yeah, you this? spend um, much more time in 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 the vines to take care with you know, like with treatment. You had more because. Like in every vines, you you, add, you treat treatment, uh, but if there is too much rain, the the action in a way disappears. So you got to do it again. Oh, so if there's rain, it can wash away the treatment. Yeah, and you have to too much rain wash away the treatment. And when you say treatment, you don't mean te- pesticides so much. No, as- no, it's yeah the 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 way they work. It's in a way biological and biodynamics way. So. If it it's easier, it wash away easily. So you got to do it again. So in terms of the different biodynamic treatments, where you might say, for example, most famously, bury a horn, uh, that kind of thing, they had to do those multiple times yeah. because of the rains. Yeah, yeah. So you got to be uh, very careful, and so and those guys are very stressed during uh, starting, like in from April to August, because then in August. Uh, you cannot do more. The harvest come in September, and it's you, you. It's finished, you know, for treatment, and you, you just have to wait. Did they give you some sort of number as you know what they normally do in terms of treatments, in terms of how quantity and what they had to do in 2012? Uh, in a way, they double. It was double or more, three times more treatment. So in in many senses, it's much more labor intensive to work. Yeah, also that's yeah, actually it, not going to sell for more. It's going to sell for less, maybe. Yeah. You know? So it's it costs a lot to producer, but it's the way you you if you don't do that, you don't have any grapes. So and no wine. So you got to invest your time and 
labor force and products to and to ha- do something with the minimalism. Has Matthew shared with you uh, his thoughts on low sulfur versus sulfur at bottling, or some of the uh, aspects of the winery that are really associated with the developments his father put in and his carrying those on? Do you feel like it's the yeah, same? Yeah, well, I. I Oh yeah, it's the same. But and, and you know, if you take Domaine Lapia, everything is written on the bottle. So you know, it's if there is sulfates added when the the end bottled, or no, like for for in the US or for much more for the export uh, and big bottles, there is always a, a bit of sulfates added just to keep it because without you got to be careful, but. It's also the, the the customer have to take care of the bottle then. But uh, some sellers or people don't have the right condition to keep the wine. So then after they say, oh, the wine is, uh, there is a problem with the wine. It's not sometimes it could happen, but most, most, of, most of the time uh, the problem comes from the way it was uh, stocked. And has there been a change in reception since the time that you were maybe a sommelier or a younger man uh, to the Beaujolais crews like Morgon, either in France or on the export markets? Has has it gotten more popular? I I, I know that it that the the wine is popular now uh, in foreign countries, and it's for for example for Mathieu Lapierre, the, the there is a big part of export, like in the U.S. There is only one importer, but uh, he imports a lot, uh, but also Japan and quite every every country worldwide. North northern country uh, of Europe uh, imports quite a lot. It's in- interesting, uh, but to, to, it's you know I think much more like uh, much more sales in the export than Marcel. But at that time, Marcel uh, in a way pushed doors. He traveled a lot to. Please taste my wine and do professional festivals and, and fairs. So now Mathieu is, uh, in a way, harvesting a Marcel job. And, and he is uh, doing more to open doors in more countries and improve this wine, the quality of the wine and, and the relation with uh, people. What about in uh, the French market. You said that your dad had been one of the first three-star restaurants to list uh, Lapierre yeah. wine on his wine list. Yeah. Um, is it more or less common today than it was then to to list a wine like Lapierre at, a, at the high-end restaurant level? Yeah, yeah. There, there is much more high-level high, high restaurants who have uh, Marcel, but also other producers from Beaujolais. And there is a lot, and a big part of the business is also with Bistro and uh, you know, in a way, much more casual uh, restaurants. A lot in Paris. Paris drink a lot of Beaujolais, of, of Morgon. Because there was a tradition for a long time of Lyon drinking a lot of Beaujolais in cafes and bistros, mm. often with like tripe or beef dishes. Uh, is that still current today or is that different today? Yeah, it's in a way, when this kind of uh, Beaujolais crisis happened, the Côte d'Yonne take the place. So now Beaujolais is fighting back to, to be in Lyon, in Bouchon and... Like you know, the the table wine was Beaujolais. It became Côte d'Yonne. It now it 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 is needed to be Beaujolais again. I and, think it's better. And what are the wines that Lapierre is making? There's the 
There's the raison. Raison Gaulois. There's the Morgon. The Morgon. Multiple yep. bottlings with the sulfites or not. And then there's the Cuvée Marcel. Yeah, but uh, this Cuvée is only when uh, it's a good year. So, for example, it, there is nothing on 2012. So you didn't see any of that? Uh, no, no, no. You didn't, you didn't make any no Cuvée chance. Marcel if you, yet. If you see uh, a Cuvée Marcel uh, in 2012, <laughs> don't drink it. It's fake one. And no such thing as a white Lapierre or... No, or other Cru, no. And so uh, how many hectares are they farming at this time? Fifteen. And is it all owned or are there... Are there oh, Fifteen are owned, yeah. And are they buying engraves as well for other projects or no? Sometimes it can happen if for, for like 2012 you you had any, you you work with um, some guys who who work the when you buy it's a, a year or much more longer relationship so the the owner work the way you you want like uh, for treatment and uh, also sorry I don't know the English for this world you know when you Return the earth. Sure, like plowing. Okay. Or not, you know, when yeah, you, yeah. You know, or cover crops, maybe. Yeah. <clears throat> Do not using a pesticide for killing grass, but uh, only by, uh, by, with tools. Kind of using mulch. Yeah. Like, kind yeah. Of. And uh, <clears throat> we heard a lot here in this country um, about potential closings of Beaujolais producers in subsequent to the, the 2012 harvest. What, what do you see? on the ground working there? Are, are people closing their doors or who is it that that's closing their doors or is that not happening? Right now, I, I didn't really see uh, any effects, but it's true that last year's the the, the local government in the way was saying, yeah, it's not a good year. So maybe a lot of uh, producer will close. Those, those kind of, we're talking about people who, for like 90% of them, are only selling uh, hectoliters to big negotiants. They don't embottled or have their own business in a way. So they are, uh, they depends on uh, the market. And for 2012, at the beginning, they say it was a very low price for hectoliters, but then there is no good wine, no, no, no much, no, not more grapes. So the prices go up. So I think uh, most of them were quite uh, safe, but uh, it's the, about the quantity they, they sell. So I don't really know yet. We maybe we'll see the effect uh, next year. And what has 2013 looked like in terms of working so far in the vines? The, the working is good, but uh, like, you know, this year is also strange in France. Uh, it was, uh, it's, in a way, a bit rainy, but quite cold, even now uh, by the end of May. So, so the vine is, uh, in a way, holding the the to wait grow. So, it's a, the the growth is not as as much as it normally would be. Yes, yes. How far back are we talking about? Like, like how, maybe now, like three weeks. So, normally, the what you would see in terms of vine growth, in terms of size and uh, maturity, would be three weeks yeah, along yeah. further than it is. Yeah. Right now, it's like that. But, you know, after if June and the, the summer, the sun is here, uh, the, the vine will uh, take the place. So it was the same last year. 
uh, on May, people say, oh, we will harvest by the end of September or October. But then, the you know, the nature took back uh, its place. So it was uh, by the middle of September. But there was snow recently in Burgundy. Yes, in, in Burgundy May. and yeah, it's in everywhere in the mountains and Burgundy. So it's quite uh, too 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 cold right now. So the, the vine is uh, holding. Has it made it hard to work the vines themselves because of the level of dampness and the soil? Uh, the level of what? Uh, w- water in the soil. Okay. Yeah, it's it, it's difficult f- for uh, if you use yen- engines, for example, um, because you can be stuck in tractors. Yeah, you, tractors. Yeah, it's difficult for the tractors because yeah. they compress the soil yes. and they can get su- stuck into yes, the mud. Yes, in the mud. Yeah. So, but by hand, it's no problem, you know. Oh, so maybe less of an issue for lapier than some because of the way that you work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and there is always, you know, some gaps during without any rain or so you can go and, and work to to cut the grass you know to I, I forget the name of you know do you, plowing I think well, okay. but do you do that every row or do you do it every other row or how often do you plow at the vines all up here it depends of you know the the uh, the season and the, the size of the grass and the, how it's needed but uh, at gotcha. least two, two times and are there now and then uh, during the the summer? I see two, okay. three times, four times. Uh, if we have, if the guys have time and if the weather is okay, are there? But, uh, I'm sorry. sorry, but then Mathieu uh, always have a kind of uh, team during the summer, like uh, eight or ten people who. Who go on every vines and by end uh, cut the grass near uh, near the the sap. Oh, near the the base of the vine. The they, base of they the cut vine. around. Yeah. Mm. And are there specific cover crops planted, or is it more just what grows there by itself? Like, have they planted certain things in between the rows? Oh no, 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 no. So just nothing. Natural. Yeah, yeah. It's just natural. Yeah. What happens? Mm-mm. And uh, now that you've worked there for a bit and you've tasted a bit of lapier for several years and you grew up in that area, how would you compare? Lapierre stylistically to other producers of Morgon. I mean, how do you place it in your own mind in terms of the taste? Out question. <laughs> um, it's a, a good question, but to, to compare, I don't really like to compare people. Uh, but is there a certain dish that you might have with Lapierre that you would have a different dish for Foyard? Let me put it that way. Like, if where when might you reach for Lapierre? Or Chaminar, and when might you reach for Foyar with what kind of food? I guess. Uh, yeah. Okay. And so, if you take, for example, the the Morgon for, of Mathieu, which is a, and we say there is no Cuvée Marcel Lapierre, only the Morgon. Uh, we can have it like uh, for uh, a casse-croûte. We say in France with sausages or ham or, and with some meat dishes. And then Jean is, uh, you know, uh, for example, Jean Foyer have, um, in a way, much more cuvée. So most of those cuvées stay longer in barrels. So it, in a way, it makes just a bit more stronger wines. So you can have it with more uh, cooked dishes, like uh, long-time cooked to be for uh, sausage uh, with sauce, I think. 
And do you think that you'll stay through the end of this year? And what are your plans? Do you plan to be at Lapierre for a while, or do you plan to do another project? What What are you I, thinking about? I was thinking, and I'm still thinking, of, of, of opening a kind of bistro or auberge in Beaujolais. I really like the area. Uh, maybe also I will try to work in New York. I don't know. I like the country. They're very similar. Beaujolais and, and <laughs> totally. okay. well Brooklyn actually it's not that yeah not that different uh, so no and uh, I'm still owning uh, with my brother a wine company oh you are yeah so but now in a way uh, the, the company is sleeping but uh, at that time we we buy uh, our locations for the restaurant that company were stuck the, the bottles so two or three possibilities. I don't really know yet. What do you think the biggest lesson that has struck you from moving from the sell side in terms of selling bottles at a table to working with working with the vines every day? I mean, what is what is something that maybe you didn't expect that you've learned along the way? Mm, working with winemakers is easier than uh, working with some guests. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, um, but in a way, yeah, and much more in Beaujolais, drinking wine, it's much more simple. If, you know, every winemakers, we often do that, like uh, you move to Jean Foyer Place or Guy Breton, or, you know, just for having a drink, Jean or Mathieu open bottles from other winemakers. Wine there is a lot of exchange. We Most of the time, we... You know, we drink it, we give an opinion, but we don't uh, make it uh, like uh, too much intellectual or using too much brain. It's with guests or uh, if you are uh, like too much like a sommelier, you you get it's boring. It, it, uh, that's what I try to do with winemaker to think to say with winemaker. It's you go straight to the point. Uh, I like, I don't like because of this, because of that, or the wine is like this or like that. We don't use that much technical words or because if you use real, really technical words, you don't understand anything. Because, just, you know. because in a sense, these are farmers that we're talking about. Yeah. And what do you think about Matthew as a, as a guy? I mean, your friends, what's he like as a person? I've only met him once. Oh, no, no, yeah, he's... Really, he used, you know, at the beginning when he was uh, 18, he, he was a cook. He traveled. He, he worked also uh, uh, at uh, Anna Chapel restaurant, my family restaurant. His, uh, his sister too. <laughs> they all they all learned uh, to cook, to, how to be cooked. He traveled. He worked in in Canada, in the US, I think, in Paris. And then he, he came back and say I want to work he want to work with his father, so he's really involved in food and and wine, and in a way it's how it's supposed to be. All winemakers are keen on food. It's so related. So very simple. We have a drink and eat, and it's, uh, he he, he travels a lot, so he's very involved in. You know, foreign countries and cultural things in foreign countries. So how long have you been in New York now on this trip? Since Friday, so three days. And this is your first time to New York? Yes. 
So I have to ask you, uh, how many times have you entered a place and said, my name is Dave Chappelle and someone has expected a, a black comedian? Has that ever happened to you? Oh, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> well, you still... I don't know this guy. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a famous uh, American okay. comedian. Like, okay. Uh, I will Google it. Yeah. Well, you have nine more days, so who knows? Uh, <laughs> maybe I will meet him. <laughs> David Chappelle, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Very much a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. Bonsoir. <laughs> Salut. All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levy Dalton. Aaron Scala has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose and Thomas Bartlett. Show artwork by Alicia Tenoyan. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, and so much more, including show stickers, notebooks, and even gift wrap are available for sale if you check the show website, alldrinktothatpod.com. That's I-L-L, drinktothatpod.com, which is the same place you'd go to sign up for our email list or to make one of the crucially important donations that help keep this show operating. You can donate from anywhere using PayPal or Stripe on the show website. Remember to hit subscribe or to follow this show in your favorite podcast app, please. That's super important to see every episode. And thank you for listening.